Hello and welcome to a new episode of Pat's Chat. Today I have an awesome guest from Australia, uh, very well known. Uh, welcome and thank you so much for joining me today, Diana Nyong. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show. And it's Diana Nguyen. Oh, new, no, say again, please. Nguyen. Nguyen. So think of a new, a new <laughs> item. New. And, and wind. And wing. New wing. That's it. Okay, awesome. Um, let me just call you Diana, please, for this talk today. <laughs> so you're very inspirational. You're very funny. I just had to focus before we started because it's just, just uh, started hilarious here. Uh, you're an actress. You're a stand-up comedian. You're a TV host, MC. Uh, yourself, you prefer to call yourself an artist. Yeah, I and they do all these things. <laughs> <laughs> do a lot of things. How, how do you do currently? Uh, how, how is the situation in Australia anyway? Um, with COVID-19, we're in stage three, which means uh, we can't have guests at our house. Uh, you're not meant to travel if it's not essential. Um, but, yeah, I, it's been a month now, so I think we've gotten used to it. I don't feel as claustrophobic as I did before. So... Um, it's been interesting to be at home and save a lot of money. That's what I've found. <laughs> save so much money. <laughs> <laughs> Start, starting with the positive uh, aspects already, right? Saving a lot of money. Um, but as, as we, we just really discussed before, I, I really struggled to figure out where to start. You know, there's so many items, uh, so many things, so many uh, stories in your life. And uh, probably I start with what I just struggled now uh, most with is uh, saying your Vietnamese uh, name. So you're a second generation Australian Vietnamese. I found it funny that you mentioned your mom reminds you that you're basically a Vietnamese Australian. Uh, how do how, how you feel today? I mean, you struggled, I can understand, in your childhood um, uh, to figure out where you really belong, what you are. Uh, but how is it, how is it today? Mm, that's a really good and it's um, something that I've been invited to schools to talk to a lot of students about intergenerational conflict. Um, so a few little back, back stories that my mum came to Australia by boat after the Vietnam War and she, I was the eldest child. And being the eldest child, there's this massive expectation to see. But also in that is to learn the language and also to be part of the culture of Vietnamese. And I found it very hard to be Australian and Vietnamese at the same time because they, they're very conflicting. You know, the Australian way of life is like be free, be whoever you want to be, be individual. But then the Vietnamese culture is, you know, family is number one um, and your dreams are part of the family's goals. So I, I did have a lot of trouble understanding it and, um, you know, I had conflict with my mum when I was a teenager but I can say with maturity and I spoke about it um, when I was on a TV show I did say that with maturity I have now really understood what my mother's sacrifice was and I wish I had known this earlier so that I wasn't a shit child <laughs> that's how it is right mostly our parents want want the best for us but we cannot understand when we we're a kid however when we grow up then we we will probably understand better yeah, uh, you can't understand the sacrifices they made but also i think it's also for them to learn who you are mm -hmm. and i think it's very important that it's not a one-way conversation but it's two-way 
The parents need to meet you at the middle. It can't be the child goes all the way to the parent side. Uh, and that's where the conflict is. I understand. And uh, reading through a couple of uh, the post articles I did and even some of the videos, um, your mother plays really a, a major role in, in your life. And I came across this one article that you wrote, uh, uh, five ways to disappoint your mother. And that, that was really... Well, it's on one side, it's a, a funny way that you put it. I think you're coping with your past really in, in this uh, post, but also it tells a lot about your past and like the childhood that you had, which was not uh, always uh, always easy. Above all, like her expectation is that you become a, a doctor, but then eventually you ended up, well, ended up, you changed your mind. Your mind was to become an artist. Um, but get us a little bit through this uh, time and like how this conflict really uh, worked out in the end. Um, yeah, yeah. That's when I wrote that. That was my release. Uh, I wrote that 12 years ago, so I was very in my very early 20s. Um, and a lot of students have really connected to that story. Um, and I, when my mom first heard me, heard that I had written this short story, she wanted to sue me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. But yes, you can't see the writer because the writer experienced it. So it was very funny. My mother did feel like, oh, you're going against, you know, there's this Asian culture where it's no one's business, it's family business. Mm -hmm. So you don't go and sh overshare. Mm -hmm. um, but also, the Asian community is very good at gossiping. So I'm not sure how that all works out. Um, but uh, by writing that short story, I have to say it changed my work as an artist because instead of me reading about someone else's experience, this was my experience on paper. Mm -hmm. And then it led me to write more work. So I did Fee and Me. I've done my stand-up shows. Like that short story gave me a voice. Mm -hmm. It has you know, it's extended me who I am now today. And, you know, my mother's proud of me now. I don't disappoint her, except I'm not married and I don't have children. But, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, um, you know, parents' expectations, they always want the best for you, so there's never an end, end date at all. I don't yeah, think. yeah. You mentioned that your your mother is your biggest fan nowadays, uh, but but you also mentioned that like once you had an audience in the, in a university performance um, where she just you saw her leaving the performance and also like for two years she never came to one of uh, of your show. I mean that that must really hurt a lot, uh, also. Yeah, it did. It, it happened when I was 17 years old, and I think anything that happens as a teenager, it's impactful. Like there's sentiment there's shit in it um yeah and i remember i and when it happened a second time i was like that's it we're cutting this putting the boundaries we're putting the boundaries you cannot come see my show and do that again to me um but yeah but it all changed when i did miss saigon and um she she loved she loved seeing her story because miss saigon's about the vietnam war so um, that's where our relationship heals. Okay, I understand uh, that. That's awesome. I, I'm really happy to hear also that, like, uh, like kind of small family tragedies then end up in a in a good way. And today she's really happy. I think um, probably many uh, students can resonate with that stories uh, because they well they have the very same thing. I mean, I. 
I don't know for Australia, I know for Europe and Asian, the differences in, in cultures, sometimes I'm, I'm, I'm surprised, right? Uh, what is the focus and, and uh, like the five things that you mentioned in this paper is really like uh, also not only the, the bias, but it's the stereotypes that we understand, like Westerns understand for, of Asian like in, in, in general. Uh, so I really like that, uh, that small story that you, that you put together. Um, but, uh, but also, uh, one of the funny things I just, I, w I just wanted to touch here is, uh, uh, the, the question about your boyfriend. I mean, you had a Chinese boyfriend and, uh, one of the hilarious things, like she said, like, oh, uh, anything, it can be anything, not a Chinese and also not a Vietnamese <laughs> because Vietnamese would cheat and gamble. <laughs> I mean, that, that's funny. Uh, but. Uh, you made your way with your Chinese while well, you got kicked out of your home or you left the home when you were only 18. Uh, mm -hmm. but, but what really reconnected you in the end with your, with your mother? What, what uh, was the bonding that you had in the end? Um, it was in 2010. So I decided to go to Vietnam and do a two-month pilgrimage trip, a south of Vietnam all the way to the north to suffer for two months. Mm -hmm. And my wow. mom there at the end of the trip. So I went with my girlfriends and then I went back to Mita on the Mekong Delta where my mom's from. And my mom and I spent two weeks together, just us two. And it, when I think about it now, it was the best thing that could happen for a mother and daughter. It's it, the longest time I'd been with my mom since my sisters were born. <laughs> that makes Like my sisters are four years younger than me. So I had a good four years with my mom, but I felt that trip really healed and really made me understand what my mother went through. And then she started telling me her refugee experience and that's how the switch flipped for me to go, oh, this is, this is, more, this is more than about my mum. This is, this is about a whole generation that my mum did so that we would have a better life. Like by my mum coming by boat, she, she changed the next 50 generations does that make sense yeah yes yeah, yeah absolutely yeah yeah and i think once you go back and you really see the reasons why there were refugees right i mean that change that must change your mindset entirely also yeah okay awesome i have one more question uh then i leave the family uh stories uh currently you're running a very very uh popular uh show fee uh, and me right it's called and you're playing like a uh, uh, older lady, right? With a kid. I mean, you're playing a mom. Are you playing your own mom? Um, that's a good question, but no, I'm not. Uh, <laughs> it is a, a caricature of two mums. So the mum's character name is Kim Hoon. So my mum, um, Fiona's mum, who's the co-creator, her mum's named Kim and my mum's named Hoon. So we put our two mums together. So it's Kim <laughs> So it is the accumulation of all mums in Asia. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it, it represents really a lot of stereotypes. And uh, well, uh, when, when I watched the one or two episodes, it, it uh, looked like, uh, wow, this is almost like you, you're telling your own story, but in a, in a very yes. funny way. Yes. It's, well, it's based in where, where Fiona and I grew up. So all those little journeys that Fee has is true. Like, um, except the, the dad bit, that, that's, that's fictional. So it's based mm -hmm. on true story, but it's not all true, if that makes sense. So, yeah. 
<laughs> there's a license when you're writing. <laughs> <laughs> so how can you? So so that was your own um, like book that you wrote, or uh, how how did you uh, start with that? Um, uh, uh, so it's, it's so feeding me has been a, a nine year journey. So 2011. Mm -hmm. uh, Fiona, who is a friend that I've known since I was in grade four, we went to high school, university, and then um, after seeing a, a comedy festival, I went to her and said, we've got to write something about growing up in Springvale. We've got to write about what it's like to be an Asian child. Um, so then we started writing and performed it in 2011 at the Melbourne Comedy Festival. Um, and we got four star, four and a half star reviews, sold out with people lining up like a, 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 a snail trail. It was brilliant. Um, and, and from that, like we did it for about five years live on stage. Um, and then uh, we realised that there was no way we could sustain a living because mm -hmm. there's, there's no money in theatre, really, unless you, you know, get booked on tour. Mm -hmm. um, yep. So that's where the web series idea was like we could just click a button and you could just watch it at home. Yeah. And that's, that's why it took five years to make the web series. Okay. Okay, awesome. Uh, now you're just saying like, uh, okay, theater is one thing. Uh, the stand-up comedian that you're doing is another thing. You were touring with the stand-up comedy, right? Is that correct? Yeah, so in Melbourne where I'm, I live and I'm based, um, yeah. the Comedy Festival is the second largest comedy festival in the world. So there's Edinburgh, Scotland, Melbourne Comedy Festival and Montreal just for last. So I was going to do 26 shows in uh, 22 wow. days. Wow. So that, okay. was my, that was my money maker. That was my work <laughs> portfolio. So it got cancelled because of COVID um, six weeks ago. Oh, that's a, that's a pity, yeah. Uh, I mean, mo uh, many comedians are facing this uh, struggle right now and uh, try to survive during this time until, uh, well, COVID or the lockdowns are really, really over. Um, yeah. I think for you it's uh, a little bit the same for the moment, but you find you find still a lot of time for a lot of other things. Uh, we talked about uh, the the acting before, and uh, you always make fun of that, like, oh, I was acting in this show and that show. Twenty seconds here, twenty seconds there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was what was your your longest acting in a in a movie or TV uh, show that you had? <laughs> Um, the longest was when I was on a talk show for an hour. So it was live TV in Australia. I was on live TV for, for an hour. But for acting, um, I actually have a show that's coming out on Channel 10, uh, a TV channel here in Australia uh -huh. next week. So that's a five-minute roll. So, <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah. It's but the writer saw my work and fee in me, and then he wrote me into his show, which is amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, awesome. Congratulations for that. So, 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 which is it? Uh, well, you're very diverse, as we said. You're doing a lot of things. Uh, what is it? What that you like most for the moment? Is it being the actor, the comedian, the TV host, the producer? What What is it that you like most? Uh, for me, I've been weaving out. So I started as an actor, and I started um, stand up, and I started interviewing people. And I have to say, I really do enjoy interviewing people. Uh, like, because I've got that show called Just Doing Karaoke, where I interview people and we sing karaoke at the end. I just love watching people when they trust me, sing with me. 
that's, I reckon that is a very powerful and a very beautiful gift that people give to me. So I do love interviewing people and talking to people to find out what their juices are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, 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 do love, I do love that immediate connection to people when I speak to, speak to them one-on-one. <laughs> that's awesome i saw some of those uh again also those are funny very entertaining and um well i'm very happy this is my show so you can neither make me sing nor can you make me also dance <laughs> that is, that's your choice <laughs> yeah yeah so so i'm really glad about that and uh when we when I, when i mentioned the dancing that is like uh, basically, this is um, the reason I uh, connected with you on on LinkedIn, uh, Dancing Diana. Uh, that's a very um, awesome story itself, also. And, and for me, I, I still remember right now exactly how how the experience was for me. So I'm scrolling like the, the updates, uh, my connections. I read some, you know, and suddenly, you know, there's like this dancing girl, you know, and I was like, what what the heck is that? What what's wrong here and I scroll I continue you know but uh, it just made me smile you know because it was kind of um, well it was entertaining you know and um, but the next day I saw another video you know and there you were again and then I was like looking into this it's like this is I mean kind of funny and people debating uh, what belongs on LinkedIn what belongs on Facebook you know and then I'm always like yeah but who really I mean says what belongs here or there and uh, you were really like just doing your thing you know and uh, uh, I connect with you to see the, the videos and just like brought some joy you know it's like scrolling through all the business stuff and then you see like dancing Diana uh, but I think you also like were facing a, a lot of questions and opposition to that like should you really do that on LinkedIn why, why did you do that why did you choose LinkedIn to to do it really well, do you know String Nguyen? So she was the one who introduced me to LinkedIn. She got the beta mm-hmm. for the LinkedIn video for the first time in 2017. Mm-hmm. So when she started making videos, she had 200,000 views in like one day. And then wow. she went to me and said, get onto LinkedIn. I was like, no, that's, that's I need to be on YouTube, not LinkedIn. Um, but then she said, no, get onto LinkedIn. Just go on there. I trust you. And I trusted her. And because I trusted her, my life has really changed. Not because of not just my artistry, but but my own process as a as a creative entrepreneur. Um, all these businesses that I've had, um, yeah, has really shifted who I am today. So you asked that question, why dancing Diana? It's because I uploaded one video, it went viral. Now, the question everyone needs to ask themselves is, if a video goes viral once, do you stop or do you keep going? Yeah, the question is, can you do it again, right? So I kept doing it and I kept doing it and I kept doing it and people wanted to see it. That's why. I listened to my audience. My audience was telling me they wanted me to dance. (laughs) <laughs> okay i mean it completely makes sense it's just like i think you're probably the first and the only one who was capable of doing that uh um, but in the end i mean it's part of your business and then i think everyone is okay with that also uh, but uh still the question why did you 
well, do it on LinkedIn and, and not on Facebook. Or I, I mean, I see like you, you're promoting all your um, social media, but in LinkedIn, you have the far most popular of all those. Well, see, exactly what I said. On Facebook, on Instagram, on TikTok now, there are actual dancers on there. On LinkedIn, it is a professional platform for professionals, yes? Mm -hmm. However, you don't have professional dancers. If I started to dance professionally as a ballerina, people would go, oh, that looks really beautiful, but I can't do that. But when I dance, I'm just moving my body. I'm not saying, like, I'm top shit, like, you know, the best dancer in the world. I'm saying you can do it too. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to say. So. When I went, when I started dancing on LinkedIn, it wasn't to, wasn't to show off that I can dance because that's not great dancing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Same, yeah. It's just free dancing. So when I went, to, went on tour to the US and went to all the LinkedIn locals, people danced with me because one, they trusted me, and two, it was it was because they could do it too. And that's what I want people to re realize that you can do it too. Yeah, if you tr and it's all about trust. Like you gotta trust you. You gotta trust the person that's leading you. And that's why I talked about being a joyful. People trust me because I'm willing to get laughed at, mm. and I'm willing to protect you. And that's why people. <laughs> <trust me. laughs> it sounds good. I mean, it's, uh, I, I can resonate with that. And you, you're really capable of making everyone dance, including and that and that was the best that I saw including the TEDx audience uh, that, that just happened a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I highly recommend to watch the, this video to everyone, um, uh, Diana's TEDx uh, uh, talk. Uh, that, that was awesome. And, and basically there you really open up about your, your past. You, you share a lot of, of the stories. Uh, disclosed like the difficulties you had in your, your childhood, uh, but then you would turn it really in, into this um, uh, topic. Uh, and you mentioned just before Choi Fool, right? That, that is a, a funny theme, like how Choi uh, is your caffeine. And I think especially uh, today, it's extremely important that we have more optimistic people, more joyful people. Uh, maybe you, you say some sense about the term joyful with the double O that you, that you created here. <laughs> um, that came by accident, joyful. And like, to be very honest, like when the comedy festival was cancelled six weeks ago, I did have very dark four weeks. Like, so I had depression for four weeks. Um, and it's, it's, it's normal for artists to feel that because, you know, to get great laughter, we have to feel quite, feel quite deeply. Um, and I have to say when I watched my TED Talk last week and it came out, it was so wonderful to remind myself that during those dark four weeks, I made sure I danced, I made sure I talked to people, I made sure I went for a walk, I made sure that I implemented the joy, even though it was dark, mm. if, if that makes sense. So... The reason why joy is my caffeine, joyful, is so important is that it is what keeps me alive. And it's the things that I do to bring me joy that allows me to be here with you talking to you or allows me to entertain children. Like before I was talking to you, I was dressed up as Elsa from Frozen. 
That's why I said to you, I need half an hour so I can get undressed. <laughs> yeah, see, see, I was, I was very nice giving you half an hour. Well, you, you could have come also to the show as uh, dressed as Elsa. Uh, why, why not? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so it's, it's in those acts that that's where the joyful comes from. Okay, yeah. I, I, I mean, when you just mentioned that, and I think I even you posted some uh, on LinkedIn when you prepared for that TED talk, and that really surprised me, you know, because uh, guys like me, like that, don't do this so often, you know, don't like to be on the stage or it's not my profession, you know, I, I can understand myself. I have a certain amount of anxiety, I'm scared of it, you know, it's like I don't feel well. But then I was really surprised that you, you also had that, you know, and, and you shared it so openly that, um, well, even if it's your profession, right, you, you still get nervous to do this also and like some un, un, uncertainty or insecurity. Yeah. And you, you have to, if you have to face uncertainty when on stage to explode. <laughs> okay. That's also kind of caffeine that you need or... <laughs> Uh, well, I don't even drink. I don't drink coffee. So, so the way that I relate to people's addiction to coffee uh -huh. is my joy. So yeah. So I don't understand how people can be addicted to caffeine and and to be awake because um, doing the arts or joy is my is my addiction. So that was my way of understanding that. And so when I was performing on stage, I was talking to my friend before. Um, she said. Um, you know, there were some really great bits in it. And I was like, and she told me which bit. And I said, I made that up when I was on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm improvised it. It wasn't in my yeah. yeah. I, I just thought, you know what, I'm going to do it. And I did it. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe that is the advantage of like professional artists like you, like or actress uh, or comedians, right? You can improvise, you can uh, play things over it while, while I would be just there and it's like, oh, what was the next sentence that I should say, you know? Um, that, that's probably the big difference. So I can see also in the difference of the TED Talks, you know, you're very professional, very relaxed, you know, while I just try to finish my stuff in time, you know? <laughs> so it's uh, it's awesome to see and I see big difference, of course, in, uh, in the professionalism that you also have. Uh, so... I think that was awesome, uh, really exciting talk. I mean, uh, maybe you want to share um, today a little bit more as some of the final words, like, you know, what is your joy, your pleasure, your happiness, but what is your recommendation, you know, for people, especially here in Malaysia, we are uh, locked down since six weeks, I think, nowadays. Uh, people start to depress a bit, you know, so maybe you can give us some, Pep talk, some motivation, uh, what you usually do. Yeah, well, um, what I discovered with people is joy to everyone is different. And so I would say in these moments when it is hard and you're trying to understand and adapt to our new, the new world, a temporary new world, I would say look back to your childhood and think about the things that you love doing. And, you know, my main things were dancing and piano and music, um, but also it was nature. I used to love being in the garden 
and pulling out the weeds. So I would say go back to that childhood and, and take that and take a moment of it and see how it feels. And my advice that someone gave me and it really helped me was live moment to moment. Yeah. And that's where you will help your anxiety. So you live moment to moment. Okay. Thank you so much. Great. That's, that sounds good. Thanks, Thank Diana. Um, so what's your, your next project? We heard the, the TV show coming up soon. Um, I hope the lockdown is soon over in, in Australia so you can go back to your uh, um, comedy, stand-up comedy shows. And you're going to dance now. <laughs> no, I'm running out of batteries and I'm making sure that we don't <laughs> okay let, let me know what's what's up next what what are the next big, big uh, projects that we can expect from you yeah so I'm on a tv show from next week I am doing a be brave uh confidence and comedy program to help people who want to funny who want to build their confidence on stage like doing a TED talk or just to, just to be free and just have a laugh. I think that's really important. That's what confidence means. It's not about, like, how strong you are on stage, but also that you can laugh at yourself. Um, and, I, and I really want to help people. I really want people to find that because, um, because it, it's, fr it's, it's freed me. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, when we first jumped on this talk, we were just laughing our heads off before we started <laughs> And then we got really serious. Mostly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm really interested in helping people um, because I, I find it's, and I feel like my motivation is to help people who have really strong messages to change the world. And I want to help those people do that. Awesome. That is great. Really happy uh, you could make the time or you made the time for me. Thank you so much, uh, Diana. I refrain from saying your last name again and embarrass me a second time. <laughs> Sorry for that. Probably I'll learn it next time a bit better. Uh, but thank you so much for your time. Thank you for um, like inspiring us um, uh, so much. I'm really happy about that. Uh, wish you all the best. Good luck with your shows. And uh, I hope you stay healthy. And I'm just going to do, um, yeah, thank you so much for having me on the show. <laughs> thank you very much. Thanks to the audience for watching. Uh, please follow uh, Diana on uh, above all LinkedIn, but also Instagram, Facebook, whatever. I will share the links to all her profiles. Um, dance with her uh, or do the karaoke with her. Uh, and uh, happy if you come back to see the next episode next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Every corner of the world is experiencing disruptions, but not for Bigit, for bringing data skills and knowledge to you. Hence from leading regional data science show and now international live business virtual event right at your fingertips. Find out more about the future, Bigit 2020, the 8th annual data science show on 22nd to 23rd September 2020.